there. My name's Phil Williams and I would like to welcome you to Audio Angling, the podcast site of fishingfilmsandfacts.co.uk. In the normal course of events, these interviews tend to be carefully researched, structured and targeted. But every now and again, I find myself in a situation which, while it is completely unplanned, is also too good to pass up. One such a situation was meeting up with Tammy Fisher at Brancaster Stave on the North Norfolk coast while covering an inside information feature for Boat Fishing Monthly aboard Adam Wright's 12 metre cat, Katie Louise. I know there are a few women already involved in offshore boat fishing, mainly in America, though there is also Murray Gavin Hughes at Clue Bay on the west coast of Ireland whose achievements aboard her own charter boat Shamrock, not to mention the many medals she's won representing her country, are second to none but I've never actually met one here in the UK before, until of course today. Tammy Fisher, 21 years old, from North Norfolk. I've grown up in Brancaster. I've been fishing since I was about six years old. I used to go along the coast on the beach fishing with my dad. And then I went away to college, studied more in gamekeeping, came back, got this job in the end, Adam offered it to me. I've enjoyed it ever since enjoy the fishing side and meeting new people. Now Brancaster Stade, as I'm fast coming to terms with, is an unusual sea angling venue on a number of fronts. First off, it's a quaint little country village set at the head of a muddy tidal creek. But as you walk down the road towards the water, it suddenly transforms itself into yacht world. There are boats literally everywhere. Rarely have I seen such a busy little place. It also has launching facilities and is home to Katie Louise, for part of the year at least, as over the winter months I believe you relocate. So tell us a little bit more about that. Oh yeah, we go from Lowestoft from October the 1st through to April the 1st. We fish for cod and whiting and pick up some dogfish and we get the odd skate here and there. And then we come from Brancaster from the 1st of April through to the 31st of September and we fish for skate to start with and a few lake cod and then we go for mackerel when they start coming in we switch to taupe rigs and then we go for taupe and bass but you can never guarantee a bass and then we pick up a few skate towards the end of September again. When I first looked up Brancaster Harbour on the map I was surprised to find that it was little more than a muddy creek down at the southern entrance to the wash. Obviously, it's tidal, but it's also very sheltered. What then do you find are the advantages and disadvantages of working out of a venue such as this? Uh, yeah, there is a type restriction as such. We can play with two hours either side with with the Katie Louise. She, she draws four foot of water. It's quite a big harbour, but it's a very tight channel that goes through there. But you can hide off the land on windy days, and it's got some nice spots and as Adam's fished here all his life and his dad's fished here then he knows the spots to go as such so it's quite a reliable place to go and we live here and the fish are here so we think why not Would it be fair to describe it then as more of a sailing orientated venue and more certainly a place to expect to have to battle your way through crowds of people, cars and boat trailers certainly on a nice summer day such as this It's a very much a yacht place and so it can get a bit bit tight in there sometimes they've got the sailing club and all the kids in their little shark boats falling out everywhere you've got to be quite wary but there is quite a lot of little boats that go out there and they'll they'll take their bass fish they just go out for a couple of hours and they'll haul in the mackerel and bass 
themselves. Do you get many small boat anglers turning up? We get quite a lot of small boats. A lot of people don't actually know the harbour's there itself. But you've got the slipway there and it's uh, you don't have to be a member of the yacht club. You can just put your boat down there and there's a donation box. That's what a lot of people don't realise. They th- feel you've got to be a member of the yacht club seems it's such a orientated yacht place. So there's no fixed fee? No, it's just a donation box and that usually it's £5. It's up to yourself, really. That actually isn't too bad, as the going rate at many venues I visit, even with as little in the way of organised facilities as this, is usually a tenner, and quite often a little bit more. And there are no problems in terms of overzealous parking attendance, or at least I hope not, otherwise I might be in for a spot of bother when we get back. You've obviously got the other tender boats, and you have to be far enough for them to get the tenders out here, there and everywhere, because they can fit down. But also you have to be wary of the tide as the, that whole harbour area floods itself that goes right up to the top near the yacht club. So you've always got to be careful you don't come back and you've got a floating car down the harbour. We've seen it a couple of times. Katie Louise is a big boat. So am I to take it then that she stays on the moorings for all trips or is there sometimes sufficient water at the pickup point to bring her in close? We always use the ferry boat, but if we were to need to do any mechanical work or anything... The Katie Louise can fit up the harbour. She can sit on the end of the roads, which is the end of the harbour there. But we always use the ferry boat. So it's less time restrictions. She'd have to go up on a high tide. It has to be a reasonable sized tide to get her up the harbour. Now, I know that the business is split over the two seasonal venues of here and Lowestoft. Is that because there are no fish off Brancaster over the winter? Or does Lowestoft perhaps attract more in the way of non-holiday making anglers and clubs over the cooler months? As the winter comes, the days draw in as well, and having an eight-hour tide is what we work on here, two hours after we go out and two hours before we come in, and that's how we can work, or we have to do three-and-a-half-hour trips, and we do them on the same tide. At Lowestoft, it's not tidal at all. You can get in and out all day, and if it's a windy day or a cold day or... You get more people feeling sick, we can bring them in as such. And we do a set nine till three in in the winter season, so we meet daylight the whole time. When I started sea fishing back in the 1960s, the wash area was the in place for big taupe. Then, and I'm not sure if it was progressively or all of a sudden, it went off the radar to the point where I was very surprised recently when I started doing a bit of research on the subject to hear that taupe was still being caught here, but with very little publicity on the subject, hence this trip. And as if by magic, we've just had the boat's best ever taupe on the scales, bouncing the needle up and down between 69 and 72 pounds, the fluctuation being because of the motion of the boat. Uh, yeah, we just beat our record, 70 pounds. We just brought one in, she was a beautiful female. But we've had a few good ones this year, and a few small ones as well. And the first thing you did after freeing the hook was to pop a tag into its back adjacent to its dorsal fin, noting the tag number, plus the fish's body length and weight. Uh, yeah, we've tagged them, Adam's tagged them now for about uh, ten years himself, um, but we've just been tagging them, and we, we've, that's our 72nd one we've tagged this year, and uh, the information we just write on a card, and uh, sent off to Southampton University, and they... Uh, put it all on a computer system and then if that taupe's caught anywhere else it has the information, the size, the length, the weight, what sex it was and any of the comments we'd like to put on there so they can trace these taupe to the tag number that's written on the tag. And what about feedback on recaptures? 
What I know is they just like to know the distribution of them, really, because ours have turned up in Spain themselves in the Faroe Islands. Torp, obviously, a very popular fish over the summer months, just as cod are for different reasons over the winter period, and Lucky you gets paid to work with both of them. But if you were forced to choose between the two operating venues, which would you personally prefer to work from and why? Personally, myself, Brancaster is a lot easier because I live two miles down the road and it's warmer weather. Tell us now a bit about the practical side of what you do on board. I'm the deckhand, really. I just look after the customers, take their fish off and make sure everything's okay on the boat. Do the tackle in the bait and make sure that everything's under control. You must obviously have good sea legs then. It took a while. First couple of months I was a bit on edge and then got used to it. You grow out of it really. On edge in what respect? The job itself or wondering if your stomach was up to it? Nervous to start with and then seasickness. Lowestoft has a different kind of swell to this North Norfolk coast. So currently you work out on the deck. But do you perhaps at some stage or other have ambitions to work inside the wheelhouse too, taking full control of the boat and the trip? As we're going along, Adam's discussed putting me through some courses to get my cruise certificates and also to get on Yachtmaster Coastal soon. I quite like being hands-on really, but you never know what comes on along in the future. And how long have you been doing the job now? Uh, since December 2009 started, so year and a half over. So that takes in a winter as well as a summer? Oh yeah, I started in the winter and came right through. It was just just a couple of days when we first started. We got some icy days and then I've just been full-time ever since, really. And in addition to this, do you still actually fish, either in your own time or when the opportunity arises, if it ever does, in the normal course of a chartering day? We quite often have a go mackerel fishing at lunch times when the customers come inside, but if there's a spare rod and spare space and it's not in the way, I'd love to put a rod out. And last year I caught three myself on a spare day we had to play with. So usually we have quite a lot of customers that need a hand and I'm always there to help them out. Now so far, the main angling talk has all been about the summer taupe. So are taupe the main target species here because that's what the customers want or that they really are the dominant species here? This year we've done quite well ourselves. We've had 71 topes so far. We missed the skate season as we were doing some survey work on the wind farms. But from Adam's knowledge, he's told me the year before I started and previous years, they used to have 20 tope a day and 30 tope. From the data he recorded for the shark tagging programme, have any patterns shown themselves in terms of bias between the sexes, suggesting, say, lots of females which do tend to be bigger fish? or maybe pack males at certain times of the year. Are there any patterns at all that you could put your finger on? At uh, the start of the season, the type come in quite early, we noticed this year, as the mackerel did. June was the first type we got, and uh, for the first sort of 40 we got on board, there was only three females, and the rest were males, and the females had come in recently and the females have been a lot larger and we've noticed that a lot of them are still pregnant. Three things I immediately picked up on when the anchor went down was the relatively shallow nature of the area on the sounder, that we are fishing down towards the base of an inlet into the wash. 
the speed of the water at peak flow on what is a middle range tide and the end tackle on the rods provided for the anglers on board as it is midweek slap in the middle of the August holiday season. So while trying to balance customer inexperience with the need to produce the goods, preferably big tote, what is the tactic most often used? We tend to just go up tide really, but we have customers that come on, they like to try their own tactics and their own, their own tackle, but we have our set standard of what we use and it tends to work. One thing you notice through experience is that higher tackle carried on board charter boats does tend to be chosen specifically to resist inexperience and abuse. It needs to be robust enough to withstand a lot of mistreatment, particularly down at the business end. So I was a little surprised to see braid on the reels, which is less forgiving in the wrong hands than mono, because it has no stretch to cushion the hold of the hook, though this particular braid looks heavy enough not to part. I also noted that the wire traces are not backed up by a rubbing length of mono. Again, presumably because the braid is so heavy duty. Uh, it's just how the boat's worked itself really, we don't really have that much of an issue. We have the £80 braid itself and I think the wire trace is about £120 break-in strain. And we've just got the wire trace on there for the taupe's teeth really. We Sometimes the taupe whack their tail round but they tend to break any sort of line. Um, with how rough their skin is, uh, but we've never really had a problem, so it's just the way I've been taught, and that's that's the way it works for us. And the braid on the reels? We tend to use the braid. Uh, we find braids a lot easier to untangle. We get quite a few birds' nests in our reels, and uh, we find that comes out a lot easier. But with myself being on deck as well, we can we tend to tell them to take it steady when they reel them in, and we make sure they don't strike and it tends to work. We don't often have that many snap-off, and if we do, we'd, we'd make that change to try different tactics. And if it was your rod, what would you prefer it to be fishing for? I like a nice bit of cod to eat, but I like, I like the fight with a, with a tote myself. The future ambition, then, is to get all the necessary paperwork in place to become not so much the man, but the person at the wheel. I will be a woman at the wheel one day. And that's the ultimate aim, then, is it? Hopefully, yep, soon. Mm. And if it does all fall into place, would you necessarily want to keep working out of Brancaster? There are plenty of other good UK venues, though with a £70 soap on board today, plus another not that far short of 60 there are probably a lot more worse places too. Uh, I've been a couple of places in the UK. I've only ever fished on the Norfolk coast, as such, or Suffolk coast as well. But I've got friends that have got boats in Scarborough and a friend that's got a boat down in Eastbourne and it would be nice to have more species. We're quite limited with species. But I love the Norfolk coast myself. I've grown up here all my life. But anywhere as such, you have a few trips out. But there's no reason why I couldn't run my own charter out here. And how do you think you're going to handle groups of men who feel that they know more about fishing than some woman? They know who's boss. They know, they listen to me, we get a few of them, we have some nice nice gentlemen, but they, in all fairness, have got a lot of respect for me, and, and for them, it's they, they find it quite hard that there is a woman out at sea, but then they see that I'm a worker, and they then respect me for that. Well, I hope it all falls in place for you. Offshore charter angling needs more people who are in it for the love of the job rather than just the money, on top of which, Emmeline Pankhurst would most certainly have approved.